FX Medicine has exciting developments for 2019, the first of which is a brand new podcast series hosted by Dr. Mark Donoghue. Stay tuned for more updates. FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us today on the line is Jackie Hagedimitriou. Jackie is an integrative pharmacist based in Samford, half an hour from Brisbane City, Queensland, Australia. In addition to her regular pharmacy duties, she consults regularly with clients in the business regarding safe and effective use of natural medicines. Jackie regularly contributes to public education of natural medicine through health information nights, involvement in the Samford Health Expo and other events run by the pharmacy. Her social media tag is The Natural Health Pharmacist and she runs a variety of blogs and tips through various forums. Jackie was rewarded for her work in the natural medicine profession by winning the Beamer for Integrative Pharmacy in 2017. Welcome to FX Medicine, Jackie. How are you? I'm well, thank you very much for having me on. So today we're talking about persistent polys, the burden of medicines on patients and the health system. And this is never more evident than from February 2018, forgive me, when the TGA uh, decided to make codeine an S4, that is doctor only, prescribing only, um, drug. uh, Because of a huge issue that's reared its head, certainly around the world and indeed in Australia. So I guess, though, to start off, we need to go back a little bit further and investigate your delving into natural medicines and not just pharmaceutical medicines. So the overall impression about pharmacists is that they're quite sceptical about natural medicines. So how did you come to be such an advocate? Yeah, um, it's a good question because um, a lot of people that have, you know, um, housemates in the past have kind of laugh about it now because I was so anti um, definitely to their use and used to shut down anybody that used to think that they would it would do anything for them. You were like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well I think we get we get trained that way. Yeah. Um, so it was it's an interesting journey um, for me, just that I started to go on on um, different training events natural medicines uh, when I was left in charge of the pharmacy mm. about five years ago um, because I was in charge of the whole store and I had this shelf of nutraceuticals that I was supposed to recommend and I didn't know what they did and I'm a very thorough kind of person and I don't like giving out stuff that I don't know about so I thought I need to get more information so that's kind of how I started um, and as I delved down, I realised that there was a, a much larger body of evidence for their use than was portrayed both in my studies and in, I guess, the um, the health media that, you know, kind of tries to uh, stamp down on any use of natural medicine. Mm. Um, and so I tried a few of them myself and I found them quite beneficial and I thought there's more to this than, than what I've been taught. Did you ever speak to colleagues about this and what was their reaction? Um. I like even now, I still feel nervous when I tell them that I'm 
studying nutrition and because I'm interested in the natural therapy side of things. Um, because, yeah, you do get a varied, varied response. Um, but a lot of pharmacists now, I think, um, are actually quite interested. And I think a lot of them believe similar to, similar to me, you know, they've tried certain things and realized that there is a place for them. Mm. Um, and that there is a place for, for further training and to actually know how to, how to utilize them properly. Yeah. Indeed. I, I think one of the biggest travesties is the total denial and shutdown because patients will continue to use these things. And all that one is doing, if you shut them down, is furthering an unsafe use of that, med- or potentially unsafe use of that medicine. Yeah, it's definitely an issue and one that is, needs further thought because at the moment, people choose what they want to do. And if they're too afraid to talk to their pharmacist, to their doctor about what they're taking, then that's when we have drug interactions mm. with over-the-counter herbal preparations and um, it doesn't it doesn't serve them mm. for them to be so judged for wanting to, to do that for their health. It, it's interesting that you said at the beginning that you didn't feel qualified. Do you think enough emphasis is placed on the vitamin shelves in pharmacies around training? Um, and I'm talking here about not product selling techniques, I'm talking here about safe and, effic- and efficient use of those, whether an adjunct or as a standalone. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, I think it's getting better and I think there's more available now. But for instance, when I went through pharmacy, um, there was, I can remember one lecture on complementary medicines. So we pretty much covered fish oil and glucosamine. And well, my impression was the rest was rubbish. You know, that's the, the impression it left because they're the only ones that have the higher TGA rating yeah. for evidence. Yeah, so you don't get really get trained in, in the pharmacy course, but as soon as you get out, the practical reality is that the public's looking to you like as a pharmacist for advice in all areas, and that includes complementary medicine. And it's, yeah, you don't want your pharmacist guessing about whether it's safe, not safe, any of that information. That's so, exactly right. Yeah, it would be, be great to see more training in the pharmacy degree. Um, I, I think different different um, universities do incorporate it more now than they used to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do think a lot of pharmacists are really interested and, and because it does practically um, incorporate a large proportion of their business, they really need to take it seriously. Yeah. And I think I would therefore prefer those products that are not able to be self-selected by patients that act, that they actually have to talk to somebody about, particularly let's say with somebody with who has, you know, diabetes, they have either the beginnings of or, or indeed uh, further along kidney damage and they want to, you know, they've got leg cramps. And mm. they can quite happily self-select off the supermarket shelves or any shelf um, yeah. a product which may really seriously um, ad- affect their kidney function. And this is where I think it's critical that they get the the appropriate support by a health professional that knows what they're doing. And making the information easy for the health professionals to access as well because there's some texts that I use a lot now but it wasn't easy to to find them, if that makes sense. I remember, in fact, I am going to give a plug here, um, Herbs and Supplements, uh, an evidence-based 
<laughs> review. I think it was uh, Braun and Cohen, yeah. Leslie Braun and Mark Cohen, yeah. uh, which uh, at the NPS, that's the National Prescribing Service of Australia, uh, I think this was 2009. It got the top four um, in the top four places to go for evidence-based uh, research, evidence-based information on on supplements and herbs, and it was the only one that was in book form. The others were online. Yeah, yeah I, I love that resource. That's the one I was thinking of is the main one that I find very helpful. Yeah, it's quick to quick to review as well. It's a very easily read thing. I quite yeah, like that. it's got – Always have it at hand. yeah. Clear, clear sections in it as well. Mm. I've seen pharmacists being rated as one of the most trusted professions by the public year after year. Why do you think this is? Um, I think it can be good and bad. Like I think sometimes it's because unfortunately people are confused about their healthcare and pharmacists traditionally are easy access health professional that you can um, get to to ask questions and so we spend a lot of our time explaining uh, what medications do and even what their disease might mean for them because um, it's just part of our model. I think that people just expect that they can come and talk to a pharmacist and it is probably one of the most rewarding parts of our jobs as well. Yeah, so we're, we're trained by quality use of medication is something that we're trained in, so utilising medication for its biggest benefit and reducing the side effects. So um, having pharmacists be able to critically evaluate patients' medications can be quite beneficial and it can develop that trust relationship as well. Okay. So indeed, more and more patients are getting on more and more medications. And this is not uncommon these days. Indeed, I, forgive me, listeners, in Australia, you have, um, you get on the what's called the free list after 52 prescriptions. Yeah, well, it's equivalent to 60 prescriptions. 60 now, um, right, okay. If they're on a, like a concession, a concessional card, it's different for people that are general patients. I, so I remember some years ago now, obviously, a lady that was on the free list by March that means she had 52 prescriptions in two months and it was yeah. nothing more so, than polypharmacy. So I'm yeah. really interested in your experience of polypharm- polypharmacy of, as you've alluded to. And I think we've both, both seen people taking unwanted amounts of medication as well as unwanted or indeed sometimes suspicious amounts of nutraceuticals or vitamins. So what do you think is the risk with this pattern and how do you combat this? I think it's a... Um it's a big issue and it's always been a big issue and it probably always will be a big issue because the consequences of polypharmacy and taking extra supplements um, above and beyond what is needed uh, increases the risk of falls, death as a worst case scenario, um, side effects um, and I would even say the risk of being prescribed another medication that you possibly don't need because you're having side effects from from the other ones that you're taking. Yes. Um, And I think it occurs because there's often multiple prescribers. Like some people don't even go to the one GP, um, but even communication between specialists to GP to the pharmacy, if you shop around different pharmacies as well, um, there's no one central place actually looking out to see what are you actually taking. Um, and people have that fear of telling their doctor, their pharmacist, what they're taking extra on top of what they've been prescribed. Um, and I think they fear the judgment because doctors and pharmacists are we're obliged 
legally to warn them if they if we think they're doing something that they that might cause them harm. So mm. I think they're afraid of telling us what they're taking because we'll tell them to stop doing it. And do you find that this is easy to combat with your knowledge now of herbs and, and natural supplements? Do you find that you're you've got a way of opening up that conversation that you didn't have prior? Um, I think well, definitely confidence because. If you don't know what you're talking about, it's much harder to um, make them or help them understand, you know, the seriousness of, of the situation. Yeah. Um, so knowing whether, um, you know, a supplement, for instance, is going to cause a, a risk with their medication or whether indeed they're doubling up um, with their supplements, because often people do take lots of different supplements and we know that lots will have the same ingredient in them. So how do they know? if they're having too much, um, if they don't have someone that understands why they're taking it and the risks associated with different dosages. Mm. Um, but I guess we have we have ways to do medication reviews in the pharmacy, which is probably where these things are the most commonly do come out because we can spend the time to actually evaluate what they're on. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really interesting, like, how do you find out something that you don't know? How do you approach the questioning to uncover that they may be taking a vitamin supplement that they don't want to tell you about? Whereas, you know, if it's it's somebody who's going to shut them down, they'll just go, oh, I'm not going to even mention it. Mm. Whereas your demeanor being open and inclusive about natural supplements and indeed having some knowledge about them says you know, hey, I'm I'm here to help you. It's not just about judgment. I'm here to actually make sure that you're safe. Like, is do you find that there's a difference in your demeanour that where they open up more easily? Yeah, my demeanour, or I think they feel more comfortable when they know that I support the use of natural medicines in an appropriate way. Mm. So, I think they can feel like they can discuss it with me, and and if I say I don't think it's a good idea, it's because I don't think it's the most appropriate thing for them, not because I think they're you know, silly for trying something natural. Um, but some people, I mean, in the end, people are responsible for what they do. Some people don't want a, a bar of it and you yeah. can't really do anything about that, <laughs> but you can, <laughs> you can uh, definitely the way you approach people uh, is very important. And I think um, especially if you've got to establish uh, that trust relationship quickly, um, yeah, you do have to have to be quite, open and friendly, I mm. think, to get people to feel like they can they can trust you. Yeah. Can you give me an example of polypharmacy that you've come across? Because like I've got one medication and one nutraceutical example in my history, and they were both as mm. bad as each other. Neither was better. <laughs> um, they, were both yeah. at, they were both atrocious. Um, but w <laughs> what one sticks out in your mind as being a, a, you know, a catchphrase, if you like, or a poster child of polypharmacy? Yeah. There was one um, patient, actually, that I did a medication review on, and this was just pharmaceutical medication. Um, he was on about probably six or seven medications, but when I sat down and sat down with him, they didn't. It just didn't make sense to me. Like yeah. a lot of them, I couldn't figure out why the doctor would prescribe them, and and the patient certainly couldn't remember why because it was it was one simple problem I think he had initially, and then even six or seven medications and each one was put on because of a problem with the previous medication. Um, so I ended up sending a, sending the doctor a letter just 
explaining my concerns about that I think most of his symptoms and everything were due to the medications he was on. And I didn't hear anything after that. So I kind of forgot about it. But recently he came back in, and this is probably a couple of years down the track after the review, um, um, to thank me because now he was on, he was feeling the best he'd felt in years and he was only on one appropriate medication. Wow. And um, yeah, so it's interesting because a lot of the time, especially in pharmacy, you don't necessarily know the outcome of of your intervention Mm. and what you've done, but it's really... It, it's really good feeling when you realise you've really helped someone, and, and something as simple as that, you know, a medication review, just to make sure that the medications are actually warranted. Yeah. So the practitioner heeded your advice, changed their prescriptions, um, and monitored the patient for, for for safe use and and symptom relief. Yeah. Polypharmacy doesn't, as we've known, as we've you know elucidated now, doesn't just include prescription items. So what else have you seen come through? So I had a. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Came in, he came in for a consultation with me um, for natural medicines just to help him out a bit with what he was taking. And um, he brought in about three massive bags of shopping, shopping bags full of different supplements. And he was taking, oh, goodness knows what, twenty different things. Um, and some of them were actually the same things, just in a, a different guise. And he didn't know why he was taking any of them. Um, hadn't seen anyone in a long time. So this is what he was doing off off his own bat, really. Yeah. Um, but the best thing I, I could have done for him was really just to explain what they all did, um, take away all the double up, try and figure out what was best and just left him on three to four things that he could keep doing. Yeah. Um, because he was spending so much money on supplements, he didn't know, you know, how he was going to continue to do so because he was, you know, a retired pensioner. So that's, Probably one example of of polypharmacy in in the natural medicine sense, but we also see it, um, I guess, with prescriptions from practitioners too, where people come in with a list of ten items and they're not quite sure why they've been prescribed them. It's really interesting just how many elderly people really don't know that much about what their medicines are for, you know, and and that leads to a whole host of safety issues. Um, particularly, I mean, let's, let's talk about one called the triple whammy. So let's say they've got blood pressure issue. Um, so yeah. they're on a, an ACE inhibitor, they're on a fluid tablet, and then they get some arthritic pain. Tell us what, take us through what happens. <laughs> well, they get given a, uh, non-steroidal, which, uh, potentially can shut down their kidneys, but seems to be something again that we learn about in uni as a big no-no, but happens all the time. And nobody seems to worry about it. Yeah. What do you see are the main barriers to people being able to effectively um, use complementary medicines safely? Yeah, I think there's um, there's a few barriers. Um, sometimes there's a question of wisdom. So I think people being prescribed many, many supplements that they probably can't afford to take for a month, let alone yep. however long their practitioner thinks it's going to be useful for. So um, I think that's one issue because if they were prescribed maybe one or two things that were going to be, give them the most benefit with, you know, lifestyle change and dietary change, which is probably a big uh, contributing factor to a lot of a lot of people's issues, um, then they might see a long-term benefit. Mm. Um 
but if they can't comply, it's a, it's a compliance issue, same as with pharmacy medication and prescribed medication. Um, if somebody's not going to take what is prescribed as it's prescribed, then it's not going to have the intended benefit that's been prescribed for. Yeah. And regardless of, you know, purported side effects and things like that, obviously if people feel a great benefit now and immediately on t- upon taking a medicine, I guess they're more likely to take it when they feel symptoms. But mm. when you're taking a medicine for a silent condition, let's say mm. cholesterol and let's take yep. statins, that con- controversial class of drugs, um, <laughs> how do you get people to take their medicines more compliantly? Well, I mean, there are different classes of patients too. Some people are just happy to do what their doctors told them. But for the most part, people are increasingly wanting to know why. Um, so you have to, they have to know that the perceived benefits of taking a certain medication and they have to be aware of, you know, common side effects that might crop up initially. So a lot of medications might cause some side effects initially that then go away after a little while as the body gets used to the medication. Um, so I think it's about managing expectations um, to help people take things uh, in a compliant way. And I guess along that line, and even harder, would be natural medicines, particularly when A, they gain no benefit over the short term and you've got to use them long term. And we've seen this with fish oils and multivitamins in cardiovascular disease. Anybody who wants a fish oil to work within a couple of weeks is doing a mischievous trial. Um, And we've seen that recently with a meta-analysis. But uh, the other thing is compliance about keeping them on the straight and narrow when you know, the benefits aren't going to be seen for 6, 12, 24 months. I mean, in some cases it was five years before they saw benefit. How do you reinforce the benefit of staying on their, on their you know, judicious supplements? Mm. Especially as well when it, it's going to cost them personally to keep taking a lot of yeah, supplements. very true. Um, they're not going to be on the PDS anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I think it's probably an area that I'm very passionate about, interested in is, you know, public health and how do we, how do we make preventative health actually work because everybody talks about prevention is better than cure, but prevention is often a lot more difficult and less, um, less obvious than treating something once it's cropped up. Yeah. Um, so I think it's got to come from a lot of different sectors, um, from you know your natural health practitioners to even the doctors, um, pharmacists. that all have to work together, I think, to um, make sure we're actually delivering the right message about health yeah. um, for people, um, and that we can hopefully agree on it one day. Which is uh, we can dream. And I, I would love to see more communication between practitioners as well. Um, I think the rare times I do communicate with other practitioners, it's quite rewarding to better, you know, do what's best for the for the patient or the customer. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than trying to, you know, viciously protect your little sector of that client, if that makes sense. Yeah. I guess where I was, what I was thinking there is, do you find that natural or integrative practitioners 
are more open to a, a co-management of a patient? Um, I think I would like to say yes. Um, I think it's hard to make the model work mm. in a way mm. um, financially. So, I mean, I know that there's some really great integrated practices in the country and I've visited a couple of them just to see what they do. Um, so I think it, it's definitely a, a good model. Um, it's just whether, you know, everybody's got to make some money, I guess, at the practical end. Not sure. Um, how to make how to make that work. Yeah. yeah. Re- reality bites. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the way to go forward, um, do you see any movement with your profession, with pharmacy? I do see pharmacy changing, but I still think we're a little bit, you know, we can't say too much if there's no evidence base, mm. then if the evidence isn't strong, you know, it's still very much uh, caught up by what evidence is, is available rather than how do we help these people manage their health to the best of our ability. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of pharmacists that are thinking along the lines of, you know, natural health, natural medicines, how can we incorporate that better and help people with it better? And I think um, we will see a change in the future. Um, and I think even like New South Wales, I believe, uh, uni, they're doing like a um, graduate course in, in complementary medicine for pharmacists. Um, so I think Good. we'll see some more, pun. Good. Yeah, I think we'll see some more programs like that coming through. Um, but I, I do think it's a bit of a hard slog ahead as well. Oh, for sure. And um, I mean, let's face <laughs> it, you know, evidence changes every day. I guess my issue is when the evidence is mischievous. And that, that is a big problem because you almost need to have a degree in understanding trial uh, design and mm. statistical analysis to figure out whether the data is worth looking at or not for, for any trial, um, drug or natural medicine. Very, it's very difficult even for people that are qualified in, in the health area. Yeah. Jackie, you won the Beamer Award for Integrative Pharmacy in 2017. Tell us a little bit more about what you do in your pharmacy health expo for the community. Our health expo um, was developed by um, the owner of the pharmacy where I work, and, sh- and we do it every year. Um, and it's a way for us to showcase all the health um, businesses in the area. Um, so different, different years will have a different focus. Um, this year we're trying to let people know about um, our clinic in the pharmacy called the Clinic Hub, um, where we have lots of allied health that work from the pharmacy clinic rooms. And I also develop uh, am developing some programs for uh, people to um, come and help uh, help them with their digestive health and um, menopause programs. So I'm developing two programs to run from the pharmacy. Um, in addition to, we we often have health information nights, like I run ran one last year on pain management in the um, event of the coding coming off um, the pharmacy shelves to inform the public of their pain relief options. And we had, uh, it was a collaborative approach with, um, I had a GP and a physio and myself talking mm-hmm. through all the different pain options that people had available to them. So yeah, we, we run lots of different things. We have in-store consultations, we have information nights and we run the health expo once a year. So there's a lot going on all the time and um, each year it gets bigger and better. 
Yeah, I lo- I've got to say, I love what you do, having that collaborative approach so that people can get the different aspects of different care that different professions offer. Um, and each one might be slightly different, but they all overlap when they're you know, treating one condition like pain, the various forms and the various presentations of pain. So well done to you. So proud of your, your win last year. Thank you. And thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on FX Medicine. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. The Bioceuticals Integrative Medicine Awards are fast approaching. The Beamers showcase the outstanding talent we have in the Australasian integrative medicine profession and are held in conjunction with the Bioceuticals Research Symposium. To book your ticket to this gala dinner event, visit bioceuticals.com.au and click on the Education tab.